Well, thank you. What a fantastic group and what a, a, a great number of people. Uh, and what a lovely day. And thank you to Elizabeth for that um, introduction. I've been to St Catherine's a few times, um, but they've been quite a few changes. And, and it's a lovely place to be. We've got lots of outside space. Uh, and there is space to break out into later. As Elizabeth said, we're not going to do groups, but I am going to split <coughs> each of our sessions roughly in half so that I will talk for a bit, and then the second half of the session, you will have time to, to go away, do some reflecting, maybe take a piece of paper, there's felt pens and biros and things, and you can, you can um, do some jottings and writings, getting things down, because sometimes that helps us to uh, get in touch with what's going on uh, within us. I'll say a little bit about me ever so briefly, uh, and then we're just going to have a prayerful uh, start for the day, kind of prayerful arriving, and I'll say a prayer, and then I'll take us into our first session. But thanks, Elizabeth, for the introduction. Yes, that's right. I'm, I'm, sounds grand, doesn't it? Scholar in residence. Sounds like it's marvellous. Sounds like I spent my whole life in a room, gazing out the window at Salisbury Cathedral, writing scholarly things. Well, I, I don't quite do that. I, I did write a book. Uh, which is over there, uh, which is not at all scholarly. Uh, it's about felt pens, basically, more than anything else. And it's called Listening to Your Life. And it's important for today, um, and I'll say more about this, because when it comes to working out what God is saying to us and where we're being led and, and where we might go and who we are, I don't know about you, but it's very easy to spend a lot of time thinking and overthinking. My spiritual director laughs at me because I spend so much time overthinking. He says, you're overthinking again. But do you know that theory when it goes round and round in your head? And sometimes what you need to do is drop down into a different kind of space where we become in touch with our souls, our bodies, our feelings, our dreams, the Spirit of God in a different kind of surprising place. So that's really what today is about. It's about getting into that space. So thinking is good, thinking is fine, but if you're wondering about vocation and wondering where you're being led and wondering what God is saying to you, then I would really encourage you today to get into that contemplative space. And Thomas Merton said, the gift or the secret of contemplation is the gift of ourselves to God. So that's what today is about. It's about finding that space where you just come with open hands and a willingness to be surprised and a willingness to see what may come. So I do, I do work at some Sam College. I'm just about to start a new role there actually on the ministry training course, um, working with potential ordinance, that's a half-time role. Uh, the other half of my life, I run a spiritual direction course, I organise some retreats, I spend a lot of time one-to-one -one with people doing spiritual direction, um, vocational coaching, uh, and really whatever comes along, I contribute to the MA courses there, and uh, basically uh, people seem to say to me, oh, will you come do this? And I go, yeah, okay. Uh, so <laughs> I never quite know what's going to happen next. Um, so, and before that, and really what informs my um, thinking about today and the book, 
I was for seven or eight years um, the director of audience in Diocese Winchester. And uh, if you're an Anglican, you might know what that means. If you're not an Anglican, you probably think that's a load of jargon. But basically what that means is that my job was to accompany people who were thinking about ordained ministry in the Church of England and also um, lay ministries. So I spent a lot of time accompanying people, helping them discern, discerning with them, dealing with the paperwork, but much more importantly, the vocational process. So I called this first session a name and a place to stand. And why is that? Well, over the years, things have occurred to me about vocation. I think I was a child that thought a lot. As I said, probably overthought. I thought about things a lot. And as I went through my life, and I was brought up in, in quite a Christian environment, so faith has always been part of my life. Um, it has sort of made that my own in my teens, but it's always been part of my, my background, my life, my environment. Uh, so I thought about these things. And as I went through life, and um, trained for ministry, got married, had children, did various kinds of jobs, um, I thought about this vocation business, and I thought about how does God call us, and how do you know? And one of the things that really um, puzzled me was that um, sometimes it seems that God calls you, but it doesn't work out. Or God calls you, but at the same time you find yourself praying, but that's impossible, or that doesn't work. I'm going to give you an example. I had a sense of call to ministry when I was quite young, and I followed that through, and I married someone who was going to be a vicar. Now, you'd think that was brilliant, wouldn't you? you think that made perfect sense, that if you were called to some kind of ministerial role, marrying a vicar would be perfect. I tell you, it is the worst thing. <laughs> because the vicar is always out. He's never there. And there's you with these children and whatever's going on in life. And you're thinking, yeah, of course my children are my vocation. Of course that's important. But actually, what happened to me in all this? And, and what are you saying to me, God? And how do I work out what you're supposed to call me to do? So I struggled with that quite a lot, quite a long time. Anyway, eventually, uh, my children grew up and I reconnected with a sense of um, what my kind of specific vocation might be beyond um, that, which was all important. And um, eventually I found myself in a job, which I've mentioned, where I had to accompany people through that searching process. And I used to have to things, uh, run things called vocations days. I don't know if you've been to a vocations day, but the traditional kind of idea about a vocations day might be that you come to a, a hall like this, or maybe bigger, uh, and you could go around all these different tables, and there'd be a table that told you about vicaring, and there'd be a table that told you about bell ringing, and there'd be a table that told you about floristry, and a table that would probably tell you about the church army, uh, and a table about religious life, um, you know, being in the community, and a whole lot of other things. Uh, and I thought, well, I'm not going to do that, um, because I think that's quite boring. Um, sorry, I hope, hope none of you have ever organised a day like that, so I'm sure I have that place. But I decided that wasn't how I was going to do it. It seemed to me that you can't start there. You have to start with that question about who am I? So I would spend the morning not talking about being a vicar at all. That was absolutely off limits. 
And we would spend the morning in some reflective exercises, and some of them ended up in the book. Um, just thinking about who am I? And, and where am I? And, and what is God's unique call to me? And I can remember at one time when I was doing this job with um, people who were exploring vocation, uh, I would sit them down and they would want to talk to me about being a vicar. And I would say, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, we'll get to that in a few months. But in the meantime, what is it that you are on the earth for? What is it that God uniquely has called you to do? And, you know, that question would go sometimes straight to the heart of it. And I remember one lady, I'll never forget it, because it was one of those slightly tingly moments, you know, when something happens and you just think, oh, I think, I think God's in the room. Um, I said to this lady, what is it that, that you are really here for? And as quick as a flash, she shot back and she said to me, to call the lost home to the Father's heart. Now, that might not be the way you would describe your vocation, but the point is, she knew immediately. And it was nothing to do with being a vicar or anything else. It was, that's what I'm here for. And there was no doubt in her mind. So, we then went on to have a conversation about what that might look like, if that was her sense of call, and whether being a vicar or something else was the way that that might be expressed. So, we used to talk about these um, things during the morning, and we'd have lots of reflective exercises and a lot to one of my vocations days came a, uh, came a lady called Christine um, who's now ordained and she uh, is an editor with Canterbury Press and she said why don't you put all these things in a book and after I laughed the first time eventually I was persuaded um, so that's how the book came about and it is about getting in touch with this deep inner wisdom that I think that it's truly there um, a chap called Kabir Helminski wrote a book called Living Presence. He's actually a, a Sufi, really writing out the Sufi tradition. But he said, you know, we are capable as human beings of so much more wisdom and attention and knowledge and connection with ourselves, with one another, uh, with the world, uh, than we than we realise. And you know, sometimes we can we can we can know things without knowing how we know them. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you can call it intuition, you can call it the spirit, you can call it inner wisdom. But we we know things in our dreams, in our bodies, uh, these things are so important. And sometimes we need to just make space to get in touch with that stuff. Um, so that's that's what it's all about. Now um, I'll give you a sheet before you go off in about 10 minutes. Um, but one of the things I've put on my sheet for this session, a name and a place to stand, was some words from Richard Raw. Now, I don't know if any of you follow Richard Raw's daily meditations. They're really good. And it just so happens that he's had uh, recently a week on vocation. When you get this sheet, um, there's, uh, the, the website is on there. So if you want to follow... Richard Raw's daily meditations? You can, but this is where you can find them. And he's been talking about vocation as it happens, and he says this, the deepest vocational question is not what ought I to do with my life? It's the more elemental and demanding, who am I? What is my nature? And he says that the proper work of the church and spirituality ought to be discerning 
and empowering people's actual gifts. And we don't always do that, do we? Sometimes we try and get people to fill jobs and keep the show on the road and make the whole machine keep working. But actually, wouldn't it be great if our focus could always be brought back to what are our real gifts? What are our actual gifts? And he says, vocation is not a goal to be achieved, but a gift to be received. Accepting the treasure of the true self I already possess. So who am I? What is my nature? Now, I called this session a name and a place to stand, so I'm going to just say something about names, just for a minute. I could give you a whole talk on this. Some of you might have heard me speak about this before. Um, and there is a great deal to say about it. But just briefly, names are really important, aren't they? Have you ever had the experience of somebody getting your name wrong? It's really disconcerting. It takes quite a lot of maturity not to mind when somebody gets your name wrong, because you meet your go, that's not my name. It doesn't have an E, or you don't pronounce it like that. This is my name, really important. And if you've chosen a name for a child, perhaps, then you know how important it is that that name probably reflects something of your deepest hopes and prayers for that person. Our names... Sometimes it's obvious what they mean. Have a friend who we call their child Promise, you know, or Grace, or something like that. But some of our names, their meanings are a bit lost, and we have to go and look them up. Um, but we can be quite interested in that. We find out what our name means. We can think, oh, it means tender-hearted or courageous. And it, something within us kind of rises to that, and we want to, we want to fulfil that, that hope and that promise, don't we? And in the Bible, I won't give you a whole Bible study now, but there's loads of stuff in the Bible about names, right from page one. How are we named? God names us. God promises a new name. God changes our name. God speaks our name. Mary, outside the tomb. Peter, uh, you're going to be the rock. Um, there are lots of times when names in the Bible are really important. And I truly believe you can't find your sense of vocation until you've got some sense of how God names you, some sense of your identity. And that's where vocation begins. And we puzzle about vocation sometimes, don't we? We, we struggle with it. We think, what's God saying? What am I supposed to do? Well, I have such good news because, do you know what? You don't have to wait for a special revelation from God whilst you're thinking about vocation because it starts with who you are, a human being made in the image of God with a name and that's where it begins that's how it starts if you have a sense of your name then you begin uh, to work out who you are and what your starting point is so what about this place to stand well I think Archimedes wasn't who said something like um, give me a lever and a place to stand and I'll change the world or something I remember this because it caused a huge controversy in our village, because the village I live in, a place called Ellisfield, there's a big statue. Did you see this in the telegraph? It was hidden somewhere. It was, it was so important you got into the telegraph. That, that one of our uh, parishioners has, has a big statue, a sculpture in their garden of Archimedes with his lever and a place to stand. 
but he hasn't got any clothes on for some reason. And this upset lots of people, and they said it's going to traumatise all the local children. Absolutely nonsense, because it's actually behind the hedge, and it's actually quite attractive. But anyway, that's Archimedes, a lever and a place to stand. So we're talking about a name and a place to stand. The place you stand in when you know your name and you receive that name. If you come to confirmation, uh, you might stand, you might kneel, you come to baptism, you might be a baby, you might be an adult, but at some point, we stand in the knowledge of who our name is. If you're ordained or if you get married, there's a moment when you stand and you're reminded by the liturgy and by the process of what your name is, and your name will have a formal place in that rite of passage or whatever it is. So, the place to stand is that place of being rooted. This is my home. 